Welcome to the 2S Podcast with Gage and Mike. This is Gage, the philosopher. And this is Mike, the farmer. Welcome back, everybody, to the 2S Podcast. This is host A, Gage, with host B, Mike. Fuck you. And he said it, folks. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always second place. (laughs) um welcome back a whole week later we're uh doing a little turn of events with our uh topic of people a complete 180 yeah it'll be but well we'll get into them we'll um we'll start we'll start with some quotes all right well i guess i'll go first with my quote and my quote is deep and simple are far, far more important than shallow, complicated, and fancy. And that quotes by Mr. Fred Rogers. And I really like that. Because I feel like that's true in all aspects of life. I think so. I mean, it's especially like, um, and I'll bring this up because we'll be talking about it in regards to him. But like in religion or spirituality and things like that, I mean, you can look through church history or any religion. The more complicated they make all the theology and digging into it, they lose they lose the whole purpose and meaning. Yeah. And it could have been real simple, but extremely mm. deep and personal by, hey, just sit quietly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like you, you got to think of it in an aspect, too. Like if you involve it in your personal life. So, like, uh, say you got a buddy that's very, you know, he, he's always there and likes to listen and will help you out through stuff. That's probably more your simple, you know, and deep friend. You know, they're just kind of there to help you out. You know, you know, you can go and talk to them for no matter what. And they again kind of chime in here and there, but don't say too much. Let you vent and add in bits and pieces where they need it. Or if you're that way. However, I mean, it, you know, that's kind of a way that you could probably do it, show like an as, that aspect in everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like one of the things where you just, the little things make you happy. You know, yeah. that's another thing. And, and I feel like most things really are simple, but our, our mind, you know, all these thoughts start coming up, you know, that most of them we can't control, you know, they just come up and you follow the train of thoughts. Oh, that's a, that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, because and this is kind of me embarrassing myself, but when I first started learning how to drive, okay, my dad bought a manual, bought me a manual truck because that's what I wanted. I wanted a, I wanted a truck with a four speed or a five speed in it. <laughs> I could not drive a manual to save my ass. It was I would get frustrated and everything, and it, it's simple to drive. Looking back on it now, I was a retard for not being able to fucking drive it. Yeah. But my dad said the reason that sparked my mind is because my dad said something like it's simple it's all in your head son he said you know you know how to do this you have drove the dump truck before you're even old enough to drive just overthinking you're overthinking it just do like you've done before 
and it'll be okay. That, that's a prime example of, you know, completely parallel to me playing guitar. My dad will be showing me something and I'd be like, how many times does it do this? How many times do you strum here? How many times does it hit this string? And he'll say, I have no idea. <laughs> just, just don't, don't think about it. Just hear it in your head and just let it go and play. Yeah. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's most things with life is our thoughts. We get, we get uh, our attention hones in on these thoughts and we're buried in them and overwhelmed in them mm. that we kind of lose focus of what's going on. I mean, even like say something happens, all of a sudden you get extremely angry. Mm. You could take a step back and notice that anger inside of yourself. Notice it. Notice what's going around. Notice what's going on around you right now. And then that's it. But yeah. then you get in your head of, oh, that motherfucker, that son of a bitch. I can't believe he did that. He said that. Next thing you know, it's thirty minutes later. Or if it's, a, or even <laughs> if it's an inanimate object. Yeah, like a work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, yeah, take a step back. And yeah, be get yourself in the moment. Look around at what's going on. Yeah, the more simple something is, the better. I That's, like that. I, I agree, hundred percent. Like that, my dad and grandpa and everybody's always said. The follow the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. No, just that. <laughs> so it's just it. And there's a million ways you can put it. You can do it the, the nice way, how Fred Rogers said it, or you can be the old, old gruff style, which is keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And I think I think the world itself could learn from that quote. Honestly, everything's a little too complicated i think that you know derives from and i'm not saying this really in a negative way but being self-centered like like if somebody makes you mad or something offended you or whatever you know it's because you're focused on how did that affect me yeah but if you just saw events objectively and didn't take them personally you know, that then what happened would just be what happened mm -hmm. and what you're feeling would just be what you're feeling. And it doesn't have to go any further. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, is that putting the cart before the horse? I don't know. That's a different podcast. Cause it's... I've been thinking about this lately. <laughs> I kind of like, it's a great theory to ponder. It'd be a great book. Yeah. And it's all subjective in a way. Yeah. How could it not be? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing through our own minds and perceptions possible to take yourself out of your mind. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was a lot for a quote <laughs> <laughs> and we're about to have more. It's my turn. So obviously, um, our topic is good old Mr. Rogers. So for my quote, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read some of his quotes. I'm just going to read through them. You can pause it to think about it if you want. In times of stress, and if you want to kick in and comment on it, just interrupt me. Okay. In times of stress, the best thing we can do for each other is to listen with our ears and our hearts and to be assured that our questions are just as important as our answers. That's pretty solid. 
There is no normal life that is free of pain. It's the very wrestling with our problems that can be the impetus for our growth. Love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun, like struggle. To, to love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is, right here and now. Damn. <laughs> That's, you know, kind of loving without conditions. Like, yeah. hey, this is you right here, right now. And I may not preferably like it, but I'm going to love you anyway. Kind of like the Bible saying, like, love is blind. Love is, uh, I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but. Yeah, but the, yeah, it goes that first Corinthian something that I read at most weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that kind of reminds me of that is, is how, uh, how it's just no matter what. You're I gonna, mean, you're you're going to love each other. I mean, I, you, I really do like that. You, you I got his first Corinthians 13, 13 verses four through eight. Yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But there are prophecies that will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will be it will pass away. Yeah. That that very last bit that isn't read at weddings actually gets very deep. Mm. Like when you start to analyze what does that mean? But um yeah. And you know, Jesus goes on to say, um who he's asked, you know, well he says, You love your neighbor as yourself, and he's asked, Well, who's our neighbor? And pretty much his answer is everyone. Yeah. And, you know, love your enemy. And I, I have a lot of issues with Christianity as a whole. But nothing with Jesus and his teachings. Mm. I mean, Which, he was crucified and killed unjustly, tortured, right? Yes, tortured. And yet he prayed for those that were crucifying him. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, wow. He he was, and then that's that's amazing. And that's why, like, this Mister Mister Rogers. Like, and I'll be honest, I never seen any of his TV shows. I've seen little clips on the internet and stuff that's popped up, you know, and. You always hear like that's kind of the stereotypical thing. Like Mister Rogers was a good person. Like he was the guy that most kids, mm-hmm. you know, back in the nineties, you know, and, and earlier, grew up with. Like he he did, he was on television for a while. Hey, he worked behind the scenes first. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you think about that. I mean, the man was was, you know, I'm trying to think of the word influential in a lot of kids lives mm-hmm. growing up and teach you know and even whether and he, adults and adults yes whether they know it or not but you think of it in the background you know like being you know him taking different parts of like what could be scripture what could just be normal thoughts normal uh teachings in any religion or any culture and just be like hey you know you got to be nice to people you know just simplifying it to to for a kid to understand you know. Yeah, and that that's the thing. Like they say, even with like complex things in universities, like 
when you can explain it to a child, then you understand it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you find that stuff when you're trying to explain like your favorite hobby to somebody. Like, just think of it as an aspect of like, you're the, your favorite thing in the world to do, whether it's work on cars, go hunting, play video games, you know, go to the library and read what, whatever it is. I mean, if somebody asks like, what do you like to do for fun? And you say, oh, I like to uh, collect model cars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can be like, well, what's it like? You know, what's the difference between, you know, this and this? And you can sit there and like break it down to where somebody has, has never even really heard of it. If you can break it down for them to understand it and comprehend at least the basics of it, you fully, un- you, you may not fully understand, but you have an extreme grasp on Mm-hmm. on that subject yeah and and i think that's you're right that that's what he did was you know and, and christianity and not it was mostly christianity but he also studied the mystics of all traditions mm-hmm. and which a lot of people don't know and uh, my, mystics just a real quick terrible overview a mystic in any tradition is um Somebody that has directly experienced, you know, say in Christianity, they they would say, I have experienced God directly and have experienced union with him and with all of creation. And like Meister Eckhart was a... uh, Yeah, we were looking at him today. Yeah, he was a Catholic mystic. And he has a wild saying that's saying, God and I are one. Yeah, yeah, we looked. We were looking at that. That's today. what Jesus got crucified for, <laughs> yeah. saying the Father and I are one. And here, Meister Eckhart says God and I are one, and all the mystics say this, and it gets really interesting. But he studied them very, very deeply, and a lot of people wonder, was he one? Yeah, that. that I mean, that's kind of a good, uh, good controversial topic. There, really, when it comes to, and re- really, it's not. Whether he was or he wasn't, it doesn't really change who the man was. I mean, he for for the rest of the people, yeah, yeah, for for uh, for your average like the you know, person that watched Mister Rogers because they thought you know they liked Mister Rogers. Yeah, whether he was or what or wasn't, he really, had, it's all he a te- it's all a technicality. In the end of the day, well, if, if you want to break it down to brass tacks, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's because, you know, I'm not I'm not the mystic guy here. That's you. you know? oh, I'm not a mystic. I'm but I'm not saying mystic. I'm just saying you're the one that knows about the mystics. I don't Oh, yeah. You know a bunch about them and what they were about. Yeah, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And everything I know about them is what I've learned from you. Yeah. So But yeah. um Yeah. So so he, he, that that was a big influence. Christianity and the mystics was a big part of his life. And because he was what Presbyterian. Yeah. He became a Presbyterian minister. Well, first, first he, he got into, he was born into a pretty wealthy family. His dad was business entrepreneur. He owned, um, he Uh, owned a business and it was pretty big. He owned, I just had it pulled up here. Yeah. Let's see. He was the president of uh, McFeely Brick Company. Yes, yes, that's what I was going to say. Concrete brick, yeah. And 
he uh so he came from a pretty wealthy family but growing up he was shy uh not very social he had quite a bit of health problems and he was picked on a lot uh he was also kind of overweight he was called freddie mcfatty or something like that because <laughs> um, it's something king I'll, I'll look it up here in a minute uh pretty much was his biographer did a documentary over him and um but yeah said that he was called that picked picked on all the time and he mainly played with himself had no friends he'd play with his puppets and had a wild imagination he was very much to himself until about high school when he had some friends and um they he had a quote not verbatim talking about his first friends in high school saying you know they they cared about me for who i was at my core yeah and he he excelled in high school and universities and all that he uh actually went to university for music being a pianist pianist Mm -hmm. and but the whole reason he got into television because he was fascinated by it yeah he went and just suddenly he went to rollins college yes i think his daughter went there too But the whole reason he wanted to get into television was because he was fascinated by it as a kid. But he wanted to use television for something good because he saw how it was being used for terrible things. And he goes, I want to use this wonderful mechanism for something good. And he got into television behind the scenes. Um making puppets actually and helping write the stories and all of that yeah he helped Um, he helped develop a a children's show called the children's corner in 1955 which was about two years uh after he started and he actually began his work for net which later turned into pbs so just a little mm -hmm, side note there well, he developed the Children's Corner for WQED in Pittsburgh, and he developed uh, Miss Day Miss Rogers in 1963 in Canada for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Is two of his uh, two of his early works, and then it wasn't until 1968 when he returned to Pittsburgh he adapted the format of his uh, Canadian series to create Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. And that show ran for 33 years. It's a long time. That is a long ass time. Very long time for a show. Yes, that was that ran to what 2001. Uh, No. Yeah, it it was. I think it was 2000, 2001. He died in 2003. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it would have been 2001. Yeah, Um, I was just trying to do quick math in my head. Well, yeah, he died of a stomach cancer. He had a surgery, and three weeks later, he so died. Young. 74. 74. Yeah. Which is not really that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, For Mike. someone like him being healthy. Yeah. Well, he actually, he became a pescatarian. And then later That's on. That's the ones where they can only eat fucking vegetables and fish, right? Right. 
So they're pretty much vegetarians plus fish. And then he became a vegetarian. Really? Saying, uh, one, it was for health reasons. Hmm. And two, he couldn't imagine eating something that had a mommy. The vegetarianism is what killed him. <laughs> uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. But <laughs> um, I was trying to look up his um, biographer, Maxwell King. What's that name? So and Mac Maxwell King was also a major influence um, for his show, considering her a child education guru. Because he, so he went and got his bachelor's in music. Then he went to seminary, became a Presbyterian minister. And then he went on to do uh, child development training in, uh, for school. Huh. And that Maxwell King, he considered a guru of child education and development. And was a, pretty much his key advisor and collaborator for his shows, helping him out. You know how to run it, what to say, things like that. Hmm. Oh, oh, sorry. The uh, his key advisor in that that was uh, McFarland, Margaret McFarland. Maxwell King was his biographer. Yeah, I was, I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. So, just one more time to clear that up. Margaret McFarland was the child psychologist that that he worked he, with. That he worked with. And Maxwell King was his biographer. So if you want to really get into Mr. Rogers, you can search for Maxwell King and uh, their books and documentaries and things. Because hmm. they were actually pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty, that's really neat, honestly. Because you, you take a man that grew up wealthy and and what he really did was kind of give back to the community in his own way. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you think about the shows that came out the times of Mr. Rogers neighborhood or however, however it was worded, like I said, I've, n- I've never watched it, but yeah, Mr. Rogers neighborhood Sesame street came out the following year, which was in 1969. Okay. Uh, that I did not know. So where like Sesame street and most of the other PBS shows were kind of more in tune with, uh, like cognitive learning. So you think like, Oh, you know, like the count one, you know, it was just teaching, you know, math letters, you know, stuff like that, which is is important. It's important. But Mr. Mr. Rogers neighborhood dealt with more like the emotional side. Yeah. How to behave, how to love, how to deal with these hard emotions, which at, at the time was, was kind of revolutionary for the PBS network. Mm-hmm. Or NET at the time, whatever whichever acronym it was going under. So for him to come along and kind of more or less, you know, be like, "Hey, you know, kids, you kind of want to." Here's a way to behave. You know, you gotta listen to mommy and daddy, and you gotta, you know, carry yourself well in a way where you know you don't you don't look like a little shit all the time. <laughs> so well, it is a lot about recognizing emotions in yourself, yeah. and it was act. I mean, it get, gets deep for kids. Which is why a lot of parents said they loved it because, you know, it ain't just for kids. It's just it's best to teach kids at a young age so yeah. they can actually 
when they're adults know how to deal with these things. Mm. So it's how to recognize emotion, how to take a step back and observe it, how to process it, what to do with it. And that, Hey, you know, Mm. you can't control emotions. Like you can't control having them, but you can control what you do with them. I mean, it's pretty deep for a kid. And, and one of the big things was he talked about death. I was getting ready to mention something about that. Actually, he, I, in the reading I've done about it, it does say that he, on his show, in a way, he was preparing kids for him to not be around anymore. Especially as he got into later years. He, when he would talk about death and stuff like that, it wasn't just, you know, the death of loved ones, but it was also him, hmm. you know, in a way. However he, however he worded, I'm not 100% in a way sold he was talking about himself. But yes, he did, he did prepare... Uh, kids to kind of deal with death yeah which is that's great which is great and it's an it's an incredibly hard thing to do I and mean, and he, he did amazing things which i'm sure most people probably know these sorts of things like one of them was um he always fed the fish but he would never really say it well he, he, he every letter he got he read and if he could, he'd respond back to it. Mm. And he got a letter from one kid who was blind and saying he wanted, they really wanted to know that if the fish were okay. So from there on out, when he fed the fish, he would say, and now I'm feeding the fish for that one kid. Huh. That's amazing. Yeah. And he'd have kids on the show and they want to just be on the show and he's done. Like he was with them for a long time, talking to him, getting to know him. Like he, he was one of those that like, like I know one person off the top of my head where when you meet them, you can tell they're they're They are very, very genuine and sincerely caring. Mm-hmm. It's not a show. It's not just their personality. Like they genuinely care. And he was one of those where he actually genuinely cared and it wasn't just for show or the TV and all that. Like he put people first and he was always running behind, running late. Mm. And, but he had an anger issue. He had a temper and it's something he he struggled with most of his life. I can see that. Ways to deal with it and handle it. And he was... Um, an active swimmer swam every day and that was one for health and also temper yeah take out take out excess energy and mental focus on one thing and release it on something else yeah that's a that's a good coping mechanism really but yeah it's it's just and my thing i liked about him on on the few clips i've seen him like i said i've never seen an episode entirely but the few clips i've seen it, it just most actors okay and i'm not comparing not saying he is an actor but if you look at somebody that's faking emotion you can kind of tell in a way that there is it's mainly in the voice the face the the eyes the the eyes and the expression and the body language will all say oh yeah i really feel deeply for this but like the voice won't like you don't have that I don't know how to describe it. There's just something there when somebody's truly passionate and emotional about something. You can tell if they're just 
they know about it or they're passionate about it. Yeah. There, there is a, a change of tone and, and the eyes are something that in my opinion can be faked in a way. Cause I have, I've seen it personally on TV mm-hmm. and shit like that. But the voice is a thing where it's, it's, it's really hard. And when I, when I watched his little, like it was like a 30 second clip or whatever of it. I'm like, this dude was fucking genuine. Like he looked, he cared. And that's one of the things he, he deliberately talked slow for kids because he, he knew from his studies that, you know, you're talking fast and whatnot. Kids will miss a lot. Mm. So he deliberately practiced speaking at what was it? 120 something words a minute, but he deliberately practiced talking that slow. I, I can see that. I mean, every, every little aspect like he thought about and genuinely cared and tried to practice it, mm. which which is which is really awesome, because I mean you you know you you don't you don't see that kind of care going into stuff much anymore. Yeah, I mean it's just everything's kind of more or less cookie cutter in a way. And, and personally, I think, and I don't know if I can speak for him, but look looking at him, like with, even with his temper. He was honest about it. He yeah. didn't try and hide anything. It's like he was very honest. Like he knew himself. He was very honest with himself. And he didn't try and hide anything. He didn't try and pretend to be someone else. So when you're that open and you're that vulnerable, you um, it's hard to not be genuine because you're being authentic. You're showing the whole world your true self. Mm-hmm. Nothing to hide. And... You know, how, how do you go beyond that? And on top of that, of being open and authentic and genuine, not hiding anything, he had his own devotions and practice. Like he prayed and would pray for others. He'd start the day with praying and reading the Bible and contemplation, which is the big one, contemplation and yeah. getting in tune with himself and, you know, who he wants to be and, being in the moment and then he'd take that with them throughout the rest of the day. So when you got somebody that isn't trying to hide themselves from themselves, let alone other people and is very dedicated and devoted to being understanding, loving and caring. And that is your number one priority. I mean, how does that not change you and change other people around you? And I, I mean, I think everybody can speak of a time when they met somebody or there's somebody in your life that actually genuinely cares about you. Like just knowing that and experience experiencing that. I mean, you're like, yeah, this is what life's about. Mm-hmm. Like being lo- loving and being loved. And yeah. I mean, that that's the Christian message, right? <laughs> I mean, that that's the message of all things is just to be genuinely loved and loving. And, but to do that, you got to be open, vulnerable, authentic. Cause if you're hiding a part of yourself, you can't, you know, that's that much that yeah. you're not being able to let be loved and loved. Absolutely. That's why I like to, you know, back when me and my girlfriend first got together, I didn't hold nothing back. I was who I was. I was genuine. I didn't, I haven't changed who I am. I mean, there's certain little minor things that have probably changed just from 
you know, certain things that she's honestly probably made me a better person for, you know, but at the end of the day, it's it's the same thing. You got to be who you are. If you're going to fake it for somebody, then it's not genuine. It's not going to, it's never going to stick. Whether Mm -hmm. that's a relationship with a family member, member, if it's a relationship with a significant other, if a friend, it it doesn't work. Yeah. Guys at work, girls at work, whatever. If you're faking it, eventually you're gonna be found out. Yeah, I mean, that's whether stressful. whether it, whether it takes a few months or a few years, eventually you're gonna be found out. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to do that, and I think I think worse than that is when people are trying to deceive themselves. Yeah, you yeah. know that you know it might be deceiving others, but really they're trying to de- deceive themselves. Yeah, they can't stand in a way who they are. And then they're trying to trick themselves into believing who they are. Right. They're scared to confront something or they're embarrassed about it or ashamed. And, you know, then it's there and that just turns into a whole bunch of other problems. Mm. And I think we all do that. Oh, I don't think, I don't think there's hardly anybody out there that, I mean, there are some, but it's few and far between. Most most of us have issues with that. I mean, it's in a way it's human, you know, Mm-hmm. You're kind of, you're always self, self-sufficient or self-protective or however you want to word it, mm-hmm. you know, in a default mm-hmm. setting, nine times out of 10, you're going to worry about yourself more than somebody else. That goes back to what we were saying at the beginning about, you know, being selfish, you know, self-centered, yeah. you know, when you're trying to protect your image and your um, reputation and how people look at you, that's being self-centered. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, It may not necessarily be what we would consider selfish, no, but it's self-centered in the sense of you're worried about how this affects you or what people think about you, all that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's the, that's really the gist of it. I mean, you, if you sit there and, you know, preach about, oh, I'm so, I'm Mr. Say you're like Mr. Billy Badass, you know, I can fucking whoop anybody's ass in here. And then when push comes to shove, and and that's just, and you under, you know, you don't, you get your ass beat. I mean, that's just kind of a, my way of putting it into perspective. I mean, you know, cause there's more, there's more complex ways to do it, but that's kind of my, or, or you put it this way, you like, you sit up there and you go and you talk to somebody and you put on the impression like you really genuinely care about them and want to hear all about their life story and this, that, and the other. Then you turn your back to somebody else like, you believe so-and-so did this on, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that that that, right. that is the same thing as... Yeah, gossiping. Yeah, as being sitting there acting like Mr. Billy Badass. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing, just diff- just and, different way of going about it. Right, yeah. like Like with the whole Billy Badass... You know, he's probably struggling with something that makes him want to put on that persona. Yeah. And then when it gets threatened or proved otherwise, that hurts him because he's like, oh, I I just lost a big part of myself. And he has to reestablish his identity. And that's the same thing for people that gossip is it it's self-centered because it makes them feel better or at least the focus is off of them or, you know, at least I ain't doing that, but you know, it goes back to Jesus, you know, why judge the speck in your neighbor's eye and not the log in your own? Exactly. Or like one of the saints says, um, focus on the weeds in your own garden. Yep. 
Yeah. Don't worry about other people's shit until you got your shit in line. Yeah. How hard that is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's difficult because, I mean, you know, as humans, we're judgmental as fuck. And that, 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 that's where it kind of gets into Mr. Rogers and being a mystic, so to speak. Because, like, you got Paul in the Bible that says um, you have to die to yourself and put on the mind of Christ. And, you know, Christ isn't Jesus, per se, right? He's Jesus of Nazareth, and they called him the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And in a, sort of the mystical language, you know, that's that's a kind of level of consciousness, a, a, a shift in perception. And it's like, can you fully be that way without the mind of Christ, without having that shift of perception? Can you truly love your enemy without the mind of Christ or the Buddha mind or whatever to where you have this shift of consciousness, this shift of perception where you see yourself in reality in a completely new way. Oh, well, now this is possible. So it's like when you're trying to do that stuff beforehand, it's like putting the cart before the horse, mm. like being patient. So like you're in line and you're very, really impatient. You're like, all right, I need, I need patience. I'm going to try and be patient. Well, you're not patient because you're, you're just trying to be patient, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're, like you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. But if you had a shift of, you had a realization of something and you're like, oh, you know what? This is all right. And then you're just patient. You're not trying to be patient. You just are. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of accepting the fact that you kind of got to be patient. Yeah. In, yeah. in a way. It's... So, and, and accepting the fact is a big mystical term. They would use surrender. You just yeah. accept what is. Because, I mean, that that's the way I, I kind of comprehend it as, you know, kind of putting it in simpler terms. It's like, you know, being patient for a short amount of time because you have to is one thing. But accepting the fact that, hey, I'm going to spend a lot of my lifetime waiting on fucking shit. And you can't rush life. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, and, and that's just patience. I mean, there's plenty of other other things that can that fall into the you know the category of the same thing. Like you just kind of got to pretty much every virtue. Yeah, you just kind of got to sit back and be like, well, we'll see what fucking happens, and we'll we'll go with it as it comes to us, you know. Yeah, and and that for me was the toughest one to learn. Honestly, I still you know I still struggle with that one. Not gonna lie to you, anybody. You know, we both have at work the past month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just, you, you lose your patience. I mean, you, you, you go through it and you, you sit there and you take so much and you take so much and you wait and you take more and you wait and then you take more. And then eventually, unless you have a hundred percent mastered, you, it, it, you blow your top. And which is, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, as long as the episodes are getting farther and farther apart in between. Right, progress. Yeah. As there, long there's as... this story in the Orthodox tradition of um, these monks in a monastery, and um, this one monk died. And I, I don't remember which saint it was, but he came back and he said, oh, you know, I, I saw the angels carry him to heaven. And the other monks were like, what do you know? T- he was a drunk. He was a drunk. And the uh, saint, the monk said, um, well, you don't understand. He used to drink X amount every day. And 
he cut it down to say one bought one like two beers a day mm. but it still got him drunk or whatever but it was the progress and the intention like he genuinely tried yeah and that's like that's that's what matters you're you genuinely care and are trying and you have progress yeah, you're actively trying to improve upon yourself. Right. That that's what they would say. That's what God sees. You you're you, you're never going to be perfect, but you're striving and you you actually care to be. You're actually putting in the effort and struggling. It's like the story in the New Testament where it talks about uh, where Jesus and his disciples are sitting at the temple, and a rich man comes up and drops a big bag of gold coins in mm-hmm. the offering plate. And then, you know, walks away. And then I know, a poor old lady comes along and only drops two, what would essentially be the equivalent of two pennies today, into the offering plate. And uh, it was like everything she had. Yeah. And Jesus was saying about how great of a, of a donation and stuff that was. And the disciples were like, well, you know, the other guy fucking donated, you know, a thousand dollars and she donated two cents. And he's like, yeah, but that was only a fraction of what he had. What she donated was everything she had. Yeah. And, and that that's one of them stories that has layers, right? It's it's the layer that you're talking about where that means more, right? Like she gave up more. Yeah. Like that that's more progress and dedication than what this guy did. Like, yeah. ooh, big whoop. It's yeah. good for the temple and all that, but it didn't really affect him at all. No, Not much he, sacrifice. He, he wasn't hurting at the end of the day when it, we got doing and and where like she a, felt it right. And another, you know, the deeper sort of um, allegory of it is um, saying if you you want this life, you know, you want union with God, salvation, you have to literally give up everything you have. Yeah. You know, kind of like you want the, you want the uh, pearl in the field. You you sell the whole field, or but you know, give all your money to buy that field, mm-hmm. just for that one little thing. Yeah. So you know, it's a story of you have to give yourself up. You know, crucify yourself, put on the mind of Christ, carry your own cross, and it seems like Mister Rogers was one of those that strived to do that. Yeah. He strived to make the world a better place in his own way. He, he strived in, in to... The, in the, I shouldn't say in his own way, but in the best way he knew. Yeah. yeah Which, he... in, in a way, is his own way, but it's also different because it's a, the best way he knew how to. Yeah, that's all we can ever do. Yeah, he, he tried to give himself up out of love for the help of others. Yeah, absolutely. And... For any of you that have not seen the kind of new movie with Tom Hanks, which actually turns out to be like his seventh cousin. Sixth, sixth cousin. Sixth cousin. Did not know that. But uh, he plays Mr. Rogers in um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I've seen it three times. It's yeah. a fantastic movie. I cried the first time. Huh. I cried. It's a fantastic movie. And it's not. it's not for kids. Really? I mean, kids can watch it for sure, but like adults would get way more out of it. Hmm. It's a really good movie. That's cool. Really good. 
I'm not really sure I like Tom Hanks, but he did a damn good job in that movie. I will say this. Tom Tom Hanks, in a lot of aspects, I do not like, but he is a damn good actor. I'll give that 100%. Yep. The first time I seen Forrest Gump, I legit mm-hmm. thought he was mentally challenged. So I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, I thought they hired some mentally challenged actor. Castaway. What's that one where he's never in Terminal? Seen, never seen Castaway. Really? Never seen Castaway. You got to see it. I've, I've heard seen clips from it like, well said. Well said. But I've never, I've never seen Castaway. You would like it. You would like it. I've seen The Green Mile. Yeah. That fucking movie. That used to give me nightmares because I saw it as a kid. It's the electrocutions. The electrocutions never bothered me. It was the fact of, you know, an innocent man being executed was what what got me yeah when john coffee dies that i like the green mile that's a good fucking that's movie. a very good movie and more of a lighter uh terminal i think there's a movie called terminal where he's living in an airport <laughs> oh yeah he also plays uh there's a movie about the pirate hijacking yes um i can't remember the name oh, of it, what's it but called? he's the captain of that boat mm-hmm which that's a good movie. I've seen that movie because I remember when all that happened, and because I thought it was badass that the the fucking SEAL team snipers on the back of the boat fucking pulled off three simultaneous shots, you know, on the on the three uh, ter- or the hijackers. Mm-hmm. And then he also did one where he was uh, Captain Sully or whatever his name was on that uh, the, plane that yeah. had a ditch into the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Saving Private Ryan, classic, fucking oh, yeah. classic. That is a damn good movie with Tom Hanks in it. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. I've never seen that one, but I've heard of it. That, that's a good one. What What is that movie called with the boat? I don't know. How do I know? It's within the last. What's this Greyhound movie? That's the one where he goes after a. He's going after a Nazi submarine. He's on a United States destroyer. I've never seen the whole movie, but I've seen bits and pieces. But he's going after a Nazi submarine. I'm not seeing it on this list for some reason. Yeah, I know, but it's it's a it's a legit movie. It was he was the captain of that uh that uh whatchamacallit. Yeah. That tanker ship. <laughs> but uh he, uh, so it's kind of cool that it's, uh, Captain Phillips was is the name of the movie. Yeah, there it is. I just saw it. But it, it's kind of cool that, uh, Tom Hanks is actually a, a granted distant relative, but a relative of, yeah, of, uh, I thought Mr. That was Mr. Rogers and kind of, uh, and plays, plays him in the movie. Which is really neat. But uh, Mr. Rogers ended up uh, losing his battle with uh, stomach cancer. And he had surgery to, to uh, work on the cancer to try to remove it in on January 6th of 2003. And on February 27th of 2003, he passed away. Now, the, the kind of the cool information that comes from here is that even though he was a Presbyterian, he received Catholic last rites. 
Yeah, that was interesting. Which, which is, for those that don't know, if those who are not involved in the Catholic faith, the Catholic faith has a very, very their their own last rite style. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it goes it involves anointing and final communion and stuff like that. I mean, it's a very it's it's a very like not so much elaborate, but it's like symbolic uh, thing. Mm-hmm. So for him to go and being, uh, you know, studying and being a Presbyterian minister and then receiving Catholic Roman Catholic last rites, that's a, uh, that says something that's, that says a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, huge difference. I, I personally, I don't even know if Presbyterians have last rites. Yeah. I mean, I think not necessarily in that way. No, but, because the main ones I've ever heard of that have it is like, you know, you have your, you, the Jews have some sort of, and the Muslims and the, uh, I think the Buddhists. Nah, it depends on which tradition, maybe the Tibetan. But yeah, you get, you know, you know, Catholics have it, Orthodox, I think even the Anglican church. Yeah, the Anglicans. The more traditional. Like, yeah, the more traditional Christian, old school Christian style churches mm-hmm. have something along that lines. But it, it's, it's, strange that that for him to do that and in my opinion just because it just kind of kind of came out of left field yeah but you know he he did study the the catholic mystics and i wonder you know how in touch was he with with it yeah with catholics and communicating with them and you know what kind of connections did he have and that's that's the one of the mysteries that we'll probably never know yeah because he He's left this world and we won't, we can't ask them questions. So, yeah, but, um, we'll probably move on to our random facts, but, uh, yeah, Mr. Rogers, uh, genuine, authentic, loving guy. And, you know, look at some of his quotes and writings and books, watch his, watch the movie or show and you'll feel loved. Absolutely. And you'll also learn stuff from it. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what's an interesting fact you got? Okay, I got a good one. So the reason I kind of chose this fact is because my sister, brother, and dad decided to adopt a cat. That was at my house. And uh, so it is uh, Pope Gregory the Ninth declared cats were to be associated with devil worship and had them exterminated. Some wow. some believe that the disappearance of the cats helped rats spread the bubonic plague throughout Europe. Because, I could see that. Because the bubonic plague traveled on, on rats and the timeline correlates. Yeah, if you kill <laughs> so, all the cats, you're putting everything out of whack. Well, but once the, the weirdest part is the timeline correlates. It'd be different if it was kind of like, oh, well, that happened like 200 years before. I'm like, no, it, it was like within, you know, within a reasonable time span. Hmm. So I just thought that was kind of funny of how, you know, cats were associated with devil worship and kill all the cats. Yeah, that's fascinating. Right about the time a fucking plague comes through, Europe carried on rats. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole plague was the Pope's fault. Sure. <laughs> uh mine it doesn't really give an explanation but we could use our imaginations i don't know um pigs 
physically cannot look up into the sky. Oh, yeah. Not as soon as something with their spine and neck. You ever butchered a pig? Huh? You ever butchered a pig? No. Yeah, their their neck ain't no fucking way. The way their head's shaped. I just found that interesting. It is. It's very interesting. Because you think about it like it's such a short animal and they can't look straight up. I guess if they're laying on their side or something, they can move their eyes up. Yeah, that's the only way they can do it. But yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like the way when they pick their head up, it, it's kind of like they they pick it up. You know, so you have dead dead level one eighty. They might be able to go twenty degrees, thirty degrees maybe towards the up, but not much more than that. They cannot mm-hmm. do like a human does and go and look up at like seventy eighty degrees. Or dogs. Or dogs, yeah. Cats, yeah. But if you if you look at their skulls and stuff the way they're shaped, it kind of makes sense because it it would look like more like the skull would be running into the spine, kind of up on the top there. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that's what I figured. Well, it's because if you think about it, a dog, a dog's back and, and neck, it's flat and then it curves up. Mm-hmm. You know, a pig is flat across the back. They don't really have a a neck like a cow or a or a deer. Or a dog. Yeah. Or a cat. They're just flat. Makes sense. So if you ever got to attack a pig, attack it from above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> above or behind. <laughs> oh, shit. You got a... Um, song? Yeah. Song recommendation. I do have a song. And I'm, I actually really like this song. I'm, my buddy... He sent me a video of the song playing there earlier this week and has been stuck in my head all fucking week. I actually probably <laughs> listened to it on the way home. But it's uh, called I'm Gonna Hurt Her on the Radio <laughs> by Keith Whitley. Keith Whitley. Okay. Keith Whitley, if you ain't ever listened to him, you need to listen to him. He is fucking damn good. Hmm. My brother says that he believes that Keith Whitley would have been bigger than George Strait. If he would have been alive today. Yeah. But Keith Whitley drank himself to death because of Lori Morgan fucking broke his heart. So that song probably plays along with it. Probably. A lot of his a lot of his later songs did. Huh. They were all about Lori, Lori Morgan. Hmm. She killed him. Fucking bitch. Women. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We love women. What would we do without them? Um, mine. Yeah, I'll say what's is yours? A woman. Let's, let's move past it. It is a woman. I've only heard three of her songs that came up at work when I was listening. Uh, this isn't her real name, but Soul Seppi. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Um, that sounds like Giuseppe, but <laughs> yeah, Soul Seppi. Uh, went went to college for music pianist, celloist, all this stuff, and recorded with some bands in the studios and moved to New York, joined a band, and then she started doing her own thing and recording. But her apartment burned down and she lost all her stuff. But she just put out a new album, um, 2020s or latest. But two of two of her songs, I would say, Soul Seppi, Enter One, and Move. Soul Seppi. Real interesting. It's like pop, indie, rock, weird mix. Huh. 
That suits you. Hmm? That suits you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I like weird stuff. Oh, really? So, hopefully you all enjoyed the episode on Mr. Rogers. I know it's kind of a complete 180 of what we did last week of old blood and guts. We have no limits. But please tell all your friends about us and... Any of the podcasts you listen to, you don't much care for, or do care for, and really like, please let us know. That way, we can kind of adjust our uh, our uh, topics and stuff like that. Because we want to bring you guys stuff you want to listen to. Yeah, uh, give us a like, give us a rating. That does more than you can imagine. Absolutely. And um, comment, tell us what you like, don't like, something you're interested in, like you said. Mm-hmm. Because we're not scared to talk about anything. No, except snakes. And ghosts. Yes, snakes and ghosts might be off limits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, well, uh, y'all take care and we're, we'll uh, see you guys again next week. Have a good one.